Easter, everyone. I don't know about you, but this is very strange for me. Uh, even before I became a Christian, Easter was a, a big deal for me. We'd gather together with family. We'd, we'd have a big meal. We would do the Easter egg hunt. It was just a time for family to gather together. And, and after I became a Christian, um, Easter even took on more meaning. My family came to church and we we worshiped corporately with other believers. Um, it, it was a highlight of, of that whole season that we would go to church on Easter. Uh, this year, uh, as far as most of us can remember, Easter is totally different. Many of us are not spending time with our extended families. Many of us are not gathering together with our church to worship. It's uh, certainly different. But I want to remind you today that we don't participate in Easter. Easter just is. Now, the true meaning of Easter, the reason Christians celebrate, is because Jesus, the long-awaited Messiah of Israel, has come, has died, and was raised to life according to the Scriptures. Whether we celebrate it traditionally or not, it is Resurrection Sunday. It is the day that changed the world. But here... Right now, we're in kind of a dark time as we approach uh, Easter Sunday, as we celebrate this day. This celebration, Easter, is really all about truth. It's about light coming into a dark world. So, so let me step back a little bit uh, in the story about the crucifixion, about the Passion Week, to the time just before Jesus went to the cross to make a few observations. The first observation I want to make is this. There is often darkness before there is light. There is often darkness before light. The last night that Jesus uh, was um, on earth before his crucifixion, it was, it was filled with much darkness. Jesus predicted his death, and he also revealed that he would be betrayed by Judas. And, and one last time, he gathers together with his disciples for the Passover meal, and they gather. And the scriptures say this, When evening came, Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve, and while they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. They were very sad and began to say to him, one after the other, Surely you don't mean me, Lord. And Jesus replied, The one who dips his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man will go, just as it is written about him. But woe to the man who betrays the Son of Man. It would be better for him... If he had not been born, then Judas, the one who would betray him, said, Surely you don't mean me, Rabbi. And Jesus answered, You have said so. The Passover meal was a joyous time. It was a big celebration. Israel was remembering when they had been freed from slavery from the Egyptians. They had no hope and they cried out to God. They had no power to free themselves from this powerful enemy. But God enters history and through Moses orchestrates a great rescue. And Jesus and his disciples are celebrating that. Jesus had not only um, just entered Jerusalem on a donkey with the cries of the crowd that wanted to make him king, but now they're celebrating the great redemption of Israel through the Passover. In the disciples' minds, things are looking up. Things are going well. And at this point, suddenly, Jesus points out 
that he was going to be betrayed. What is Jesus talking about? Now, the disciples are probably thinking things are going so well, and, and now there is a foreboding. And so with this change of mood, this, this change in what's going on in that group of men, Jesus takes the opportunity to teach them something that would be life-changing, something that would be life-changing not only for them, but for other people who would choose to follow Jesus for centuries to come. The scripture goes on by saying this. While they were eating, Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from the fruit of this vine from now on until that day when I drink it anew with you in my Father's kingdom. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And so Jesus basically instructs them about what is going to happen. Blood will be poured out for the forgiveness of sins for many people. Yes, Jesus is king, but there is a fulfillment of the kingdom that has to be done before that fullness of the kingdom will come to earth. Blood must be shed, otherwise there is no hope for you and I. See, our slavery to sin is greater than the taskmaster that the Egyptians had over them. Sin is a greater taskmaster in our life now. The slavery to sin is far more dangerous than any slavery human beings can experience like the Israelites went through with the Egyptians. The slavery to sin ends in death. The slavery to sin ends in separation from God. And Jesus is determined to do something about it. And he goes to the cross. You see, the disciples forgot what the scriptures say. This is from Acts 26, verse 23. It says this, The Messiah would suffer and... As the first to rise from the dead, he would bring the message of light to his own people and to the Gentiles. The disciples were caught up in normal life. Things were going well. It didn't seem like anything would, would disrupt the forward movement of what Jesus was doing. Jesus was bringing the kingdom of God true to fruition. And because their outward life was going to what, so well, at least at this time, they never thought, about their spiritual condition. They never thought about what Jesus was talking about, about the greater slavery that we have to the sin that we find ourselves in. They were not thinking about their spiritual condition. They were in darkness and they did not know it. I think the COVID-19 situation is, is much like this. We are bopping around before this happened as Americans, doing our American thing with all the comforts that America can afford. And now suddenly, it's gone. It will probably come back. And when it comes back, most likely, many of us will stop focusing on our spiritual condition. Things will go back to normal. We'll forget that we need a Savior. We'll forget uh, about who we should trust in. We'll begin to trust in the things we did, in the things that we had done before, before this thing struck us. Before darkness was pointing us to look for the light. And many of you who may be watching this uh, for the first time, looking to spiritual things, 
praying and, and crying out to God, don't forget what the darkness is teaching you about your search for the light. The disciples did the same thing, and they were taken aback when Jesus talked about something uh, that would uh, change their lives. You, you would think the disciples would get it after that first Lord's Supper, where Jesus talked about his body and blood being shed for them. Um, they probably, we think they would have said, oh, oh, I get it. I get it, Jesus. My spiritual need is much greater than, than anything else. We need to listen to you, Jesus. We need to do what you say and follow you. But the result of Jesus' teaching then is not what we expect. The second observation is this. Sheep tend to scatter. When it comes to sheep, when any trouble comes their way, they tend to scatter. Verse 31. Then Jesus told them, this very night, you will all fall away on account of me, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Jesus told his disciples that Judas would not be the only one to betray him. In fact, in Mark chapter 14, it says that Jesus said that all the disciples would actually fall away before that night ended. This was all ordained to fulfill a prophecy of, uh, in Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 13, verses 7 through 9, tells us that the salvation of God's people would include the striking of this shepherd, this Messiah. And although wicked men ordered the crucifixion of Jesus, this was no surprise to God. The darkness never surprises God. In fact, it was God himself who called Jesus, the good shepherd, to go to the cross. The priests and the leaders who put Jesus to death did it for their own evil purposes. But God was behind it all, working through their evil to bring about good so that Jesus would bear God's wrath in order to save us from our sin. God is powerful. He can manipulate even the evil that men do, that you and I do, to bring about the good. And so these disciples who hours prior had said they would die for Jesus suddenly were scattered because of their fear. They were scattered from misunderstanding. They were, they were scattered because of their selfishness, because of their sin. They were scattered because they focused on their purposes and their desires and their agendas rather than on the Lord's agenda. Observation two, sheep will tend to scatter for those reasons. Which brings us to the observation, which is, is I think the best thing about what we're talking about in Easter. Observation three, even though the sheep tend to scatter, the shepherd will gather his sheep. They scattered, but the full story was there if they listened. The promise is there, it's clear, but it's very subtle. If you read it fast, you will miss it. Remember, we are looking at this gospel in, in, in the future. We recognize that Jesus is alive and risen. But at this point in the story, the disciples were confused. They had no idea. So they had no idea what was coming. But Jesus says this in verse 32, just after he said they will be scattered and they will deny him. Verse 32 says this, Jesus says, After I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. The shepherd being struck was not the final word. The sheep scattering 
is not the end of the story. Instead, the scattering actually meant their salvation. It meant that they would be refined. It meant that they would be gathered and returned to Jesus. They would realize the truth about Jesus, that though they scatter and rebel, that God is the one who will gather them back to himself. The Zechariah passage that, that's quoted here points this out because later on in verse 9, it predicts this refining of the scattered sheep and the return to God's fold. Zechariah 13.9 says, After the sheep are scattered, they will call upon my name, and I will answer them. I will say, they are my people, and they will say, the Lord is my God. Though they were scattered, Jesus would meet them again in Galilee after the resurrection. Jesus would rise from the dead, and his sheep would return to him. You see, for every scattering, there is a gathering. In the Old Testament, when, when Israel was scattered because of their sin to foreign countries, God gathered them, gathered them again to the land. When the nations were scattered all over the earth after the flood, they will be gathered again before the Lamb when many from every tribe and tongue and nation will gather in heaven to praise God and worship him forever. The church today is scattered throughout the world, but one day we will be gathered uh, to meet him in the clouds when he comes in power and in glory to make all things right, to renew all things. For every one of us, every single human being, we will be scattered when we face death. Our souls will be separated from our bodies, but in Christ, our bodies will be joined again together with our souls in resurrection because Jesus was raised. Scattered to gathered, broken to healed, hopelessness to faith-filled, sinful to holy, enemy to his child. God is in the business of doing these great things. So what do we say in application for this Resurrection Sunday? I just want to mention a few principles that you can hang your hat on. These things are unchangeable truths that we can believe because God says we can believe them. The first one is this. Ultimately, darkness will always give way to light. Darkness will always give way to light. God is in control of history. I want to encourage you one more time. You see, because God is in control of everything, we can be confident that light will come, that God will make everything new, that he will renew all things. It, it doesn't matter whether the coronavirus kind of fades away in May or in the next few months, or if it lasts until the end of time. Eventually, God will bring everything to a point where the kingdom comes in its fullness and everything will be just as it should be. We've talked about this over the past few weeks. We're struggling, we're, we're afraid, we're nervous. God's in control. Everything will be just as it should be. God is the God of history who will bring everything to, to, to a, a, the fullness of the kingdom when he uh, wants it to end. Until then, he is with us. Until then, we have confidence that Jesus is alive. And for those of us who have trusted him for our salvation, his spirit dwells within us to guide us and to lead us and to teach us and to empower us and to comfort us and to give us the, the, the things that we need, the fruit of the spirit, to live a life 
that is holy and pleasing to him. Ultimately, darkness will always give way to light because God is in control. I, I have no guarantee how long this darkness will continue. I have no idea how long we will be locked in. I have no idea how long society will be uh, in shambles. But I do know that God eventually will bring light. And until then, he walks with you and I. The second principle is that we need to remember that primarily God is a God who gathers those who are lost, those that are scattered. Right now, there's a lot of different types of scattering going on. The church is scattered. It's happened before. It will probably happen again. But I believe we'll be together again. I think this too will pass. Um, in fact, I think uh, God almost guarantees that in Scripture. The word church itself literally means assembly. Church is, is the people that God has gathered together. Um, so I think God will bring us back together again. But on top of all that, God is still in the business of gathering others to be part of his family. He's in the business of, of finding the lost and gathering them that are wayward and without hope. In fact, I think our scattering as a church and our inability to meet may be the mechanism that God uses to get the gospel to people like never before. He's done it in the past. He wants to gather other people into his family. This is from Acts chapter 19. After Jesus had given the, the disciples the command to go into all the world and spread the gospel, what the disciples did was stay in Jerusalem. And so a persecution came along to scatter them. And in verse 19 of Acts 11, the scripture says this, Meanwhile, those scattered by the persecution that began with Stephen, when Stephen was stoned to death because of his, his uh, gospel witness, they had traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, speaking the message only to the Jews. But some of them, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks as well, proclaiming the good news about the Lord Jesus. The hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. So maybe God is using this time. I don't know if that's true or not, but maybe, just maybe, because this is what he's in, into. God loves to gather those who are lost and scattered. Maybe he would use the time as the church is scattered among our communities to, to begin to proclaim the good news about the Lord Jesus. And maybe his hand will be upon the scattered church. And maybe many will believe and turn their hearts to the Lord. See, it doesn't matter how dark the world gets. Jesus is alive and the light wins. Every time. The scripture says that Jesus told his disciples, After I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. The resurrected Jesus, our resurrected Lord, goes ahead of us. Whether we are scattered, whether we are gathered, whether we live in fear or we have faith, the Lord will always be there for those of us who have put their hope in him. He is the one who died for us and now lives for us. <clears throat> we are not alone. We are loved. We are precious in his sight. Fear has no power over you and I in Christ unless we give it the power, unless we allow it. See, death is nullified. There is life 
because Jesus is alive. And that should change how we live. Galatians 2.20, Paul cries out this. He understands the dynamic of what the resurrection means. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Today we celebrate Easter. Or better, this is Resurrection Sunday. It's the day that darkness and death gave way to light and to life. Jesus has died for those of us who are trapped in sin and in darkness, for those of us who are unable to see the light and truth. And, and the cross came and gave us hope and mercy and forgiveness. And now Resurrection Sunday says that he lives again, that he is alive forevermore. And it says that he did exactly what he said he was going to do. He died and rose again. We have the promise of resurrection too. So whether we as a church are scattered or gathered, whether you're a person who is scattered from God or knows him personally, it is Resurrection Sunday. It is the day that changed the world. It's also a day that can change your life if you trust in this Savior King who died for you and who now lives. Darkness will always give way to light. Jesus will always break through because he is alive. He walks with us. Let's pray. Father, we believe Father, in these times of darkness, we uh, sometimes focus on things that are not true, not, not light. It's easy to do that. I confess myself, God, that I get distracted by so many things that uh, chip away at my faith. But it doesn't change the fact that Jesus died for sins according to the scriptures and on the third day was raised to life. That is truth, that is fact, and now he lives for us. So Father, this Easter, this Resurrection Sunday, remind us anew that our Savior lives, that history is in his hands, and that he is all about the work of taking those things that are scattered, those things that are broken, and bringing them back together until ultimately, in the kingdom, when it comes in its fullness, people from every tribe and nation and tongue, people that have been scattered across the earth, people that have different cultures are now brought together and are one as the family of God. We look forward to that day. But God, as we kind of go through these next few weeks, maybe next month or so with uh, the, the shut-in, the COVID-19 shut-in, we, we pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would move through us producing fruit and giving us wisdom as we reach out to those around us. For God, we know that you desire that uh, your church be your hands and feet to reach out to those who are lost and broken and hurting, those who need to hear that there is hope and life through Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we pray. Amen.